0: Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church, give, share a prayer request, or access our weekly worship guide, visit us at wwwrestorationlexcom slash this week. Good morning, everyone. I'm really excited to begin this summer sermon series this morning. Uh, had the chance with Justin and Michael. We sat down a few weeks ago over some great tacos um, and planned this summer sermon series out. And so I'm really excited to be able to be the one to, to start it this morning. So what we're gonna do, we are going to walk through Romans chapter eight this summer. You know, I love that this church, that we, we use the lectionary and we bounce around. I love that. But it's also really nice sometimes to just pause. So we're going to pause in one area um, throughout the summer and ask some important questions like, who am I? What is the truth about who I am as a believer? Because Romans 8, it's all about identity. Who are we as people? So to get started this morning, my question is, how many of you are just absolutely claustrophobic in here? Anyone claustrophobic in here? Some of you are like, I don't even want to raise my hand right now because I might touch somebody and I feel very claustrophobic in this room. That's okay. I'm not that claustrophobic, but there is one thing that when I see videos, pictures, anything that pops up of people doing, it just gives me the deepest anxiety and my heart rate spikes, and that is people that go spelunking. Anybody know what spelunking is? Cave exploring, all right? And this is not like, walking through Mammoth Cave, all right? If being protected, we've walked through Mammoth Cave. It's this big open air thing most of the time. No, this is like squeezing through passages that if you breathe wrong, you're stuck. I've literally seen videos. Guy was like, well, I'm, I hope I don't breathe too heavily because I'm, I'm not getting out. No, thank you, all right? I love outdoor stuff. I do all the things, but I'm not gonna do that. that just, I have no desire so along those lines, I want to talk about something that happened back in 2018. So in 2018, there was this youth soccer team in Thailand that got trapped in the, I'm going to butcher the name, the Tom Luang Nan, Nan Cave System. Some of you are probably familiar with this story. There's documentaries about it. There's TV shows about it. Um, I watched a reenactment show about it, and it like—it was crazy, and I had, I had, I had thought of it when I was preparing for this. So to get us all on the same page of the story, there was this youth soccer team in Thailand and their coach decides to take them on a day of exploring the local cave. Some of you parents are like, that is not a good idea. I'm not letting my son's soccer coach take him to a cave. This was very normal. This wasn't like a random cave. It's a national park open to the public, very well marked. Like it it was a normal thing. However, the day they decided to go in, the monsoon season hit, literally in the middle of the day, and it began raining so hard that all the entrances to the cave flooded. Um, And they were two and a half miles in, two and a half miles in this cave, and they were luckily in a kind of a high spot. Um, And divers flew all the way around the world to dive, like cave divers. Not just divers, people who specialize in... Underwater cave diving—I don't know how you even begin to try that—but so imagine spelunking, but underwater, oxygen tanks, darkness, all the things. And so they end up actually finding the boys, um, but then the boys had to wait days because they figured, well, how do we get twelve boys and their coach underwater? Two and a half miles, two and a half hours underwater. Back out of the cave, like how how can we do that? Like they they're not divers, some of them can't even you know hold their breath for twenty seconds, and we're gonna put an oxygen mask on them, all these things. Well, luckily one of them was an anesthesiologist, and they came up with the idea: why don't we just sedate the boys, put an oxygen mask on them, tie them up, like so that if they wake up they can't move, treat them like pieces of cargo, and I, once again this was a two and a half hour swim and the sedatives only lasted 40 minutes. So they had to time it intricately, but right before the boys wake up, they had to give them another sedative. And funny enough, the boys didn't even know that this was gonna happen, they just thought they were gonna put the oxygen mask on and go, they didn't wanna scare them, but they sedated them. And they made it out, 18 days total, they were in the cave, but they they made it out, all of them. Now, why this story? Well, Paul in Romans, as we start today in the first four verses of Romans, Paul talks about freedom. And what we're going to talk about is what it means to be free in Christ. And when I think about this story, I see a lot of comparison to the way that we live our lives and this this idea of freedom in Christ. It's easy to sit here and and look at the future knowing that one day Christ is going to return. Great. Great but yet we still live in the present as if we're we're trapped. So sometimes we approach Christianity as if we're simply waiting in the dark for the future day that Jesus is gonna return to set us free. Those divers arrived. They sparked hope in those boys that they would be set free, but yet they still had to wait in the dark for days for them to come back and set them free. And in the same way, we have a lot of hope and a lot of faith that Christ will return, that there's gonna be, great freedom in the future, but we simply treat the present as a waiting space. But what if I told you that's not what the gospel says, and that following Jesus is much more than simply waiting around for the future, all right? What if I told you many of us are living the lie that we're trapped when we've already been set free? So here's the truth we're going to understand in Romans this morning to keep your your mind on as well, is that freedom in Christ is not just a future hope, but a current reality. I wanna say it again. Freedom in Christ is not just a future hope, but a current reality. The truth that is present with us today is that we are free right now. So we gotta ask some important questions, though, about that. What are we exactly free from? What have we been set free to do and set free for What does it mean to live free? So let's look at Romans 8, 1 through 4 to get us started this morning. I'm going to read the passage. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 the summer and these first four verses, we need to stop and kind of take a, a look at what Paul has been doing in the whole book. And to do that, let, let's back up to chapter 7 a little bit. Because it can be re, really easy to just isolate sections and, and not realize that Paul has a plan. He's not just throwing random things on a page like some of my papers I've written in my life. He, he has a structure. He has a plan. So in chapter 7, Paul is talking a lot about the Old Testament law. That sounds intimidating, I know, the Old Testament law, that part we just skip over. And what he says is that the Old Testament law had a purpose, it was to make us aware of our sin. In Romans 7, 7, he says, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. Like It was to point out the standards that God had set for his people, standards of holiness. But unfortunately, it also meant that human beings could never fully live up to the law. He mentions the idea that we've become prisoners to the law of sin, which means by the law's standards, we're guilty. We deserve condemnation. We deserve death. But then he concludes the chapter seven to say, through Christ's death, we've been released from the law and bound to Christ through the Spirit. So that's a quick rundown of chapter seven. When we get to chapter eight, Paul now begins to talk further about what it means to be released from the law and bound to Christ. And he begins by saying, I'm gonna read it again, therefore, therefore because we've been released from the law, all these things, we now have no condemnation for those who are are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, Paul is putting everything together to say that Christ has released us from this law we could not live up to. And because we are now bound to him, there is now no condemnation for you and for I. We have been set free. So that's the answer to one of our questions this morning. What are we set free from? Condemnation. And that's kind of a a fancy biblical word. Uh, So let's explore that a little bit. The word condemnation is a legal word, um, carrying the kind of the the sense of being guilty. If you're condemned, you are guilty. Meaning that when Paul says we've been set free, he is really meaning we are free from guilt. We're free from the penalties of sin. We're free from death, not just in the future, all right? He's not proclaiming something that's just, something we're waiting for, but now in the present, we're free from guilt, we're free from death, we're free from the ultimate power of sin. Right here in the present, we've been declared not guilty. And Paul also explains how that works. In Romans 8, 3 through 4, he said, God did this by sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. It's not as if a magic wand was waved and God said, you're free, you're, guilt. you're not guilty anymore. Instead, the innocent Messiah, his son, bore the guilt and condemnation that we deserved so that we could be declared free, we could be declared righteous. I recently um, watched a TV show that became a really good example for this, and it's a show entitled uh, Your Honor, and it's along the same lines of talking about condemnation as like a legal word. It's, it's a law and courtroom show. I love shows like that. But the basic premise of the story is that a, a, there's this New Orleans judge's son that is involved in a hit and run. And he's the person responsible. And he, he, he's the person responsible for basically this kid's death. And he reveals to his father what happened. And as a judge, his father sets out to help him. And eventually, he ends up in a position where the judge, his father, the judge, takes the fall for his son. Now, there's some key parts of the show that we probably mentioned might break down the illustration a little bit, so I'm not gonna go there. But the basic premise really does apply here is that though we are the guilty party, though we deserve death, God, the ultimate judge, judge of all things, chooses to take the fall. God took death upon himself for us. Not that we deserve such a thing. I mean, he's the judge. He's the righteous one. Not that we earn such a thing. We're the sinners. We're the broken. We're the guilty. Yet in his grace and love, the Father chooses to suffer for us so that we could be free. Now, there's still one question. We understand how this works. We're we're set free. Great. We understand what we're set free from. We're no longer guilty. But what does it actually mean to live free today? What does freedom actually look like? I have a few things I want to share with that. First, to be free in Christ, we have to actually believe we are free. Actually believe. There's a difference between knowing something and believing something, all right? Knowing that Christ has proclaimed you to be free and believing that reality are two very different things, There are plenty of things I know that people say are true, but I'm still kind of skeptical about. This is going to sound interesting, but people that say sweet tea is actually a good drink, I'm very skeptical. I don't believe it. You can't convince me. Um, But the truth is, I could tell you all day, every single day, you are free. Christ has proclaimed you to be free. You are no longer guilty. You are no longer condemned. However, unless you choose to believe that reality, you're going to continue to be stuck. Continue to feel trapped and believe the lie that you can only experience life abundantly in the future when Christ returns. But you can experience freedom now. Christ has proclaimed you free, so take him at his word. Believe it. Embrace it. Now, there's a couple other things in order uh, that we need to put in order about living free. Second, to be free in Christ does not mean we have a lack of responsibility or accountability, all right? To be free in Christ does not mean we no longer have responsibility or accountability. It's not an invitation to do what we want when we want. I didn't plan on this, but I have another TV show example this morning, but uh, uh, you can see how I've been spending my summer. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows is Parks and Rec. Anyone like Parks and Rec? Well, There's this episode where Ron Swanson, one of the main characters, he's organizing this barbecue in a city park. Well, he has some interesting plans for this barbecue, like the live slaughter of the pig that is gonna be used for the barbecue. I don't think I wanna to go to a barbecue that, that he would not have lived up to the Old Testament law, would not have. But when met with some opposition from the park ranger, Ron says, no, 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 not to worry. I have a permit and he hands the park ranger a permit that says, I can do what I want. <laughs> it can be easy to mistake our freedom to do what we want, but we're still responsible for our actions. Just because we are declared free of guilt and free from the penalty of sin does not mean we are invited to do whatever we want. It's not an invitation to abuse the grace of God. In fact, Paul Earlier on in Romans chapter 6, see all this is building on one another in Romans here. Romans chapter 6, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? No, we should not abuse the grace of God. We've not been set free from condemnation to continue to do the very things we were doing in the first place. That's like being declared innocent of a crime and then going out and doing the very same thing you were just set free from. It doesn't make any sense. If we've been declared not guilty, we should live like it. And in fact, Paul says earlier, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Freedom in Christ should compel us to pursue righteousness and holiness. We should want that because it's in pursuing the righteousness and holiness of God that we find true freedom, not in doing